Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, General Motors loses its first battle in an effort to get Tesla banned from selling cars in Indiana. Elon Musk recommends a certain Model X interior configuration and much more. We've got movie sign. Oh, it's always good to start the show with a subtle little Mystery Science Theater 3000 reference. That is that is a Kickstarter I was happy to back, the return of MST3K. Anyway, welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, episode 30 for February 28th, 2016. My name is Ryan McCaffrey. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, good, quick news, show note up front. The podcast is now on Stitcher. I had a couple people reach out to me. Hey, uh, would love to get the show on Stitcher. And I know that's a very popular podcast service. Reached out, applied, no problem, it's done. If you use Stitcher and would prefer to listen to the show there, get the show through there, it is in the Games and Hobbies slash uh, Car Enthusiast section. So the the subsection Car Enthusiast within Games and Hobbies. Uh, If there's any other popular podcast service you'd like to see this podcast on, please let me know. Just email me and I am happy to look into it. I'm always happy to try and get this thing out to as many people as I possibly can. Uh, Elsewhere this week, I totally got my wife to roll her eyes this week at another Tesla thing, which is why I'm happy to bring it to you guys. (laughs) And that's this. I was out walking my dog and thinking, uh, basically like planning the show in my head, because that's what I do on the weekends when I'm out walking the dog. And uh, I came up, you know, you've heard of like the Mini Cooper Wave and you know, I know there, there was a thread on TMC back when the S was first coming out of is there some sort of like cool, you know, hand motion or some sort of acknowledgement that Tesla owners could do to each other. If you, you know, if you see if you're in a Tesla and you see another Tesla on the road. Well, for the, the perfect Model 3 uh, sort of salute wave came to me, just came to me. I know I'm really, really early on this, but I'm going to get in on the ground floor. We're going to invent this. We're going to all agree on it, hopefully right now, if you guys think it's cool. But I think I've got it. So, for Model 3 owners, now this, this could apply to any Tesla owner, but it's a, you know, I'm thinking particularly Model 3 here, and you'll see why in a second. So, the salute that I came up with, do it with me right now. Take a hand, make the OK sign. So, you know, you put your... You form a circle with your thumb and index finger with your other three fingers up. So right there, that's the OK symbol, which already on its own, it's a universally known symbol that has a positive connotation. You're like, hey, all right, excellent, OK. And then you got the, so you, that's, your, that's like your thumbs up for other Model 3 owners with the like dual layer subtext, the, the extra meaning, the dual layer meaning of count the three fingers that are sticking up. One, two, three, it's like the little Model 3 salute. So uh, that's cool, right? See, I know half of you are probably rolling your eyes at me just like my wife did, but I'm gonna use it if you, if I see you, if you, if you see me in your Model 3 here in the Bay Area, and if there's a guy that gives you an okay symbol, that's me. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with it, and I'm gonna see if it'll catch on. Um, elsewhere this week, I got together with the uh, local DeLorean club for the first time in a while today, my old friends. It always felt good to see 
see uh, my old friends. I, I've known a lot of these guys for many years, as well as those beautiful cars. And I'll tell you what, though, uh, it made me. It made me. I got. I. I cannot deny. It, I was a little sad after. Like I left, and I was like, I just kind of felt this little bit of sadness inside. Uh, you know, because of course I sold my car, and I'm not going to go through the whole story again. That was listen to episode one if you haven't already. Uh, you know, and of course my decision to get rid of it was made for the right reasons. But the point of this for this show, the point of this for you guys is to say this, you folks like me are people to whom cars mean something more than just being a car. And Teslas are obviously very special indeed, as they are to many, if not all of you. If you've got a Tesla, and someday you reach a choice, uh, you come to some decision of, of whether or not to get rid of it, do yourself a favor and try to look long term over just the short term. And I'm not saying I did that with the DeLorean. I mean, I again, I even though I, it made me sad, I probably would have made the same decision again. But heed my advice. If you come to a decision like that in the future with your Tesla, keep the car if at all possible. If, it, if the car make, still makes you happy, keep it. Unless you really can't, don't walk away from your, from your dream come true if you don't have to. Because, again, I know you guys can relate to me on this. So I just wanted to throw that in there. But, boy, it is always good to see the DeLorean. Just an absolutely timelessly beautiful car, in my humble opinion, of course. Plenty, plenty of folks would disagree. But uh, Let's see here. Dave T., our, our friend who does the weekly Tesla newsletter, which I highly recommend you subscribe to. It's a free thing. You just go to teslaweekly.com to subscribe to it. Dave started a what has become a very, very long thread on Tesla Motors Club about... Uh, he, Dave is frustrated. Now, if you know, Dave is one of the biggest Tesla fans out there. The guy is very positive in the community. He is out there uh, spreading, you know, spreading the good word and being positive about things. But he posted, he got to a point where with his Model X reservation, he is extremely frustrated. He obviously doesn't have his car yet. And he made a post saying, uh, expressing his frustration. And he went on to, in a number of replies throughout the thread, to suggest some constructive solutions to the communication problem that he see that he has seen with his own Model X experience and that that others have expressed as well. And the reason I wanted to specifically address this is because I think he really hit on something that I can I don't know if Dave's listening, but I can uh, sort of reinforce from my own experience in my career in the video game world. So Dave suggested with Model 3, he a whole crux of of Dave's argument, of his point rather, was that he doesn't want to see Model 3 reservation holders go through the same communication uh, frustrations that he and some other ex-reservation holders have endured with, with the Model X. And one of the, one of the solutions that he proposed was a weekly blog giving updates on the car. Now, other people replied throughout the thread saying, you know, either liking that idea or suggesting reasons why it might not work. Let me, I wanted to just comment on this uh, in, in the event Dave or Tesla is listening for a reason why this is a great idea that can be done. So there was a game 
oh my gosh, it was over, <laughs> over 10 years ago now. My goodness, I feel old. If you're a video gamer, you may remember a game called Halo 2. came out in November of 2004. Now, uh, I worked with a gentleman at Official Xbox Magazine, which is the publication at which I started my career and spent 10 years, a gentleman named Frank O'Connor. And Frank was a wonderful, he was our executive editor at OXM, great guy, very funny guy, just a, just a, he just had that sort of instant, instant ability to say something poignant and also funny at the same time about things. Anyway, he ended up getting hired by Bungie, who is the developer of the Halo series, and well, they were, uh, and they were they were developing Halo 2. So he he was hired by Bungie during the, the Halo 2 development process. And he instituted a thing called the Halo 2 Weekly Update. Now, the reason where I'm going with this uh, is there's a couple things to, to keep in mind here if, you, if you're not aware. So Halo 2 at the time was absolutely, I'm not exaggerating, the most anticipated video game in the world. Everyone. Halo had been the killer app for the Xbox console. It was the reason people spent hundreds of dollars. They bought the box just to get the game. And Halo 2 was this long-awaited follow-up. It had been three years in the making. So it was this long wait, this build-up. But the other piece of the puzzle, besides the the grand scale of, of Halo 2 as a project and the, the level of anticipation for it was that Bungie was a very secretive developer. They would not give out information about uh, updates on the game from time to time. Now, does this sound familiar? Does this sound a little, a little Tesla-ish? So the reason why I think Dave T has hit onto something here is uh, that Frank did the Bungie the Halo 2 weekly update for Bungie every single week. Now, in a lot of weeks, he would, he would mostly say nothing, but because of his skill and his, his talent, he would, he would always find a way to make it interesting and make you feel like you were part of the process and you, were, you weren't just completely in the dark and you, everybody looked forward. It, they, the, he would post them on Fridays. Everyone would look forward to the Halo 2 weekly update. Everybody would pick it apart, looking for things. And occasionally, he would drop a, tr- a, a legitimate breadcrumb. Like, here is a little, here's a little morsel to chew on. Maybe a, a screenshot of the game. Or maybe, you know, some update on some weapon that they were, or some system that they were working on that was going into the game. So, it was often, you know, nothing of, no concrete information. Occasionally it was. That's why you kept sticking with it. But he always made it interesting enough that you really felt like you were, you know, the, the, the wait felt much shorter for the game. Let me put it that way. And so uh, I think Tesla could absolutely, if they found the right person, they could absolutely, you know, I don't know if that's a social media manager's job or if that's some sort of other person. I mean, there's another... If you again going using an example from the video game world, there's a there's a guy who works at Microsoft who's he's his whole job is he's sort of the public conduit from the Xbox team to the public. His name is Larry Herb. He goes by the online handle and Twitter handle Major Nelson. He has almost one million Twitter followers. He's up at nine hundred something thousand. I just had him on my my IGN podcast this week. If you wanted to listen to it. And he, all he does is, you know, he, he's, he's sort of the, 
he gives information about what's going on. He will interact with the community. So that kind of person, I think Dave is exactly correct. That is something that Tesla could do with great success if they would look at what Bungie did with the Halo 2 weekly update. Uh, if they would look at how Larry, Larry Herb sort of does his thing at, at Xbox, at Microsoft. I do think that the, the Model 3 could be handled that way, where even if it's, say it's, um, well, for instance, how I would do it if I were there is, you know, I, first of all, I, would, I could do it, you could do it as a written thing or you could do it as a podcast or both, but, you know, you could interview someone on the Model 3 team each week. Not necessarily about, about what's going on at that moment, because you know you might not necessarily want to reveal too much, but it could be what that person does. What's their role? How, you know, what's it sort of like? Just a glimpse into their life. I mean, I, I interview people all the time. I, it's actually my favorite thing uh, part, as part of my job. But there is a way, it's been done on a, in a video game space. Now I know, you know, because, hey, video games are huge business, too. Don't necessarily laugh it off if you're thinking, oh, well, that's just a little video game. It's not. Halo 2, when it came out, was the single... It broke the, the entertainment industry record for biggest, like, the, the most amount of revenue in the first 24 hours. Like, you know, beating any movie like a Titanic or whatever it was at the time. So, Tesla, if you're listening... I think Dave makes some good suggestions in there, and, and that's that one I particularly wanted to latch onto as, as a constructive solution that I think really could make the what will be tens of thousands, if not potentially more, reservation holders of Model 3 really help them feel invested in the process and not that they're just completely in the dark for two years until they're until the car is finally starting to, to come online. So... Uh, Good stuff from Dave that I wanted to just back him up on and provide some other examples from another industry. Uh, what else can I tell you? Real quick before we get into... There is a lot to get to this week, as you've probably already gathered by the show length this week in your, in your feed. Uh, I want to repeat something from last week, and that is the referral program. There is a very kind gentleman, Peter Kersgaard from uh, Denmark... He is, he is legitimately offered to make my Tesla dream come true if he wins the raffle. So if you use his referral code to buy an S, uh, he will, and he, he, so he would then be entered into a raffle to win the Model X, a, a fully loaded Model X. He is offered to give me the, that Model X should, uh, should he win. So I would love to see someone... At least, at least get get him a raffle ticket. Somebody buy a Tesla if you're on the fence. Please use this referral code. You will get a $1,200 credit towards your home charging installation setup, which should cover the whole thing. I did a NEMA 1450 outlet circuit in my garage for $300, and I live in San Francisco where things aren't cheap. So, you know, obviously everybody's going to have a slightly different, you know, you, you might have to run run it longer, farther from the breaker box, might in, affect the price, but a $1,200 credit should pretty much cover you. So, uh, and then of course, Peter will get an entry into that, into that drawing for the fully loaded Model X, which could make my Tesla dream finally come true. So, if, I'll put this in the show notes too, but 
if you are getting ready to buy a Tesla, please use Peter's referral code. It will work anywhere in the world, even though Peter is in Europe. I, te- I tested it, uh, you know, used, I clicked on it myself. You can go ahead and order the car from anywhere. So it's the short link is ts.la slash Peter6387, and that's Peter spelled in the most traditional way, P-E-T-E-R 6387. Again, that's ts.la slash P-E-T-E-R 6387. You can get yourself, uh, your get your charging state solution more or less paid for, and you can get me a chance, thanks to Peter's kindness of getting, of live, of accomplishing and realizing my Tesla dream. Finally, before we get to news, I wanted to add, I walked into the Burlingame Tesla store today up here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I happen to be in the neighborhood. I I was, I just wanted to ask, I already knew, before I walked in the door, I already knew the answer, but I wanted to just go in and ask if they had any information about the Model 3 reservation process for March 31st. Again, I, I, I knew, I, of course, from reading TMC, I know that there is no answer yet, but I wanted to see what they'd say. Now, to the gentleman's credit that I spoke with, he was very nice, he said he didn't know, and then I half-jokingly said, well, hopefully Elon will tweet some more info out soon, and he said, that's how most of us find out. So, uh, I appreciated the, the honesty from uh, the Tesla sales uh, store rep, I should say. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see as this thing gets closer. Hopefully Elon will see fit to uh, send out some more tweets or maybe an email blast to it for, the, for everybody that's on the, the email list. But we'll get our answers. We got, we're about T-minus 30 days to go until the reservation process begins. I absolutely cannot wait. All right, with that, we got a lot of news to get to. Let's get right to it after this very short musical break. I would much rather the news be more fun than this, but unfortunately the top story this week, as you may have heard already, the state of Indiana, or should I say General Motors, has a bill on the table uh, that General Motors wrote it, and it's backed by the uh, state legislature, Kevin Mahan, uh, particularly the senator uh, speaking up most in favor of it. So this bill, written and backed by General Motors, that says if it passes, quote, a dealer license issued to a manufacturer in the state expires after 30 months, this would cause Tesla's current license situation in the state to expire in 2018, effectively banning Tesla in the state. Now, Mr. Mahan says, quote, listen to this one, this is good, quote, it's not about Tesla, it's about a level playing field. Tesla just happens to be the only manufacturer in the state working under this situation. But the thing is, With the technology forthcoming, not only in the United States, you could have another manufacturer pop up any time. So I'm trying to close this loophole, end quote. Yo, yeah, Tesla happens to be the only one. And by the way, 2018, mm, that is convenient. That's when the Model 3 will start delivering en masse. In fact, Tesla General Counsel Todd Marin even said as much at the hearing, quote, General Motors is trying to kick us out of the state for purely competitive reasons. Their Chevy Bolt will be competing against our mass market car, so they have timed this bill specifically, so once we start selling the Model 3 against their Bolt, we can no longer sell in the state. End quote. So, fortunately, after the hearing, 
There was a public hearing about this. Uh, the state, pardon me, the Senate Commerce and Technology Committee voted to send the bill, which is House Bill 1254, to a summer study committee. That basically means it's tabled for now, so the legislature will not be considering this ban until at least next year. Committee chairman and Indiana State Senator Jim Buck said, quote, we are trying to make what we are doing here fair to all. Todd Marin uh, said, the, and by the way, he is the general counsel for Tesla, said, quote, we look forward to participating in the upcoming summer study process where we will be able to fully air the issues of vehicle sales and consumer choice in an open and public forum. We happen to have one of, uh, one of the big fans of the show. His name is Tim Shelton. He's from Indianapolis. He went and listened to the whole thing, the whole tr- all the transcripts. Uh, so he's got this, this call that he left is eight minutes long. So it is long, but Tim does a great job. It does not get boring. I would have cut it down and edited it if he did. Tim has a, uh, a, basically a full playback, the, the, the recount of this. So I want to turn the floor over to Tim for the next eight minutes because I want to say thank you, Tim, for listening to all of this. You know, this, it's great to have the community, the Tesla community, be a part of this show, too. So the show is yours for the next eight minutes, Tim. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Tim from Indiana. Uh, I recently listened to uh, all almost three hours of testimony in the Senate over the anti-Tesla bill, as it's been called. And I had some thoughts and some information to share. Um, so the biggest thing is they they came in with a couple of reasons why the bill they said was necessary. They called for an even playing field. Uh, they called for a need for service after the vehicle sale, uh, which there was con- some concern that Tesla was an Internet-based vehicle sale and some lack of education. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, they also wanted consumer protection. Um So there were a couple of things they didn't understand. And even after testimony from Tesla's lawyer and uh, I believe five Tesla owners from Indiana, they didn't understand that the cars were made to order. For some reason, they spent a lot of time trying to convince Tesla that they should get one vehicle and put it on a dealer lot somewhere uh, so that they could be considered a dealership, even though that dealer would never sell that car because of the markup would put them Uh, out of competition with Tesla themselves, or the fact that if they only had one car on the lot, that all of their salespeople are going to push the individuals to buy the cars uh, that are on the lot that are ICE that are ready and available, and there's multiple colors and options, and possibly more commission. Um, So they didn't understand made the order. Uh, They also, um, when GM testified, they testified that to get a Tesla service, you would have to drive three hours to Chicago, uh, which which was just untrue. Um, there was previously, before that, testimony from Tesla owners that had had Tesla come to their house to fix their car same day. And Tesla's service manager in Indiana testified that 99% uh, satisfaction rate is what Tesla has nationwide. And, like, it was some very extremely high percentage that were fixed same day. And even so, Chicago isn't even the closest service center. There's one in Cincinnati that is only two hours away. So there was a lot of misinformation, particularly from the anti-Tesla testimony. Uh, Thirdly, they they didn't really pay a lot of attention to the fact that Tesla has a store here already, a presence in the state of Indiana, as well as 
uh, a service center identified. They've identified two locations in Indiana, a primary and a backup for a full-size service center that will be installed and up and running before the launch of the Model 3. Um, so dealers testified in the second session, the anti-Tesla or the uh, pro-bill side of things, um, and they touted a couple of things that to me were irrelevant to the issue at hand. Uh, for example, it kept being mentioned how much tax revenue is brought in by dealers in the state of Indiana, which to me was just a showing how much impact they have to the community and less about the actual issues, uh, more about money and, and, and power and influence and what they could do to the state if they were to go against them. Uh, they also touted very much their service and continued relationship with the consumer, which I found laughable because I know very few people that enjoy the experience with traditional car franchise dealerships. Um, and on the, on the mention of bias, they, they made a very big deal in both sessions to mention at the beginning of the hearing or whatever you call it, that the bill was not anti-Tesla. And something they brought up was that when Chinese started making steel at a very low cost and they couldn't consume all of it, they started exporting it and it eradicated the U.S. steel industry, which to me is one, not a fair comparison because that's a material uh, an unfinished good per se. And a Tesla is a engineered and refined automobile that is just not in the same category. That's like saying the knockoff iPhones would somehow run Apple out of business. And that just isn't true. Uh, Secondly, the, the Senate guy, right after saying he was not anti-Tesla and that the bill was not anti-Tesla, he spoke to his rich history in the auto industry. And he was intending to say that he understands the auto industry because he spent his career in it. But several times he also mentioned his dealer friends and how many of his dealers that he knows called to speak to him on this bill. And again, I think he was trying to show ex experience and expertise in that industry but I think it just more showed that he was entrenched in an existing system and not open to new ideas. Uh, they spent a vast majority of the pro-Tesla testimony trying to convince Tesla that they should open a dealership in Indiana. I mean, they said things like, couldn't you get one dealer to put one car on his lot? Wouldn't that qualify? Couldn't you just register your current dealership or your store as a dealership, to which they didn't understand that it couldn't be owned by Tesla. It had to be a third party. Uh, I mean, they spent a really long time, like an hour of the hour and a half that was pro-Tesla, trying to convince Tesla to open a dealership so that they would fit through the law that they're proposing. Uh, one senator even suggested that the Tesla was so expensive that they had room to make it more expensive to make room for dealer markup, which I just found to be entirely ignorant. Um, and the kind of the most dumb thing of all is they repeatedly called Tesla's business model a marketing innovation or a new marketing strategy. They spent a lot of time talking about how it was a marketing thing, that it was it was a some kind of strategy and that it was their decision and they just didn't understand that the cars were made to order and that Tesla's is a different way of doing business. Tesla's would go out of business. They said so in the hearing. 
if they had to produce cars, give them to dealers, and put them on the lot. They just, it, it's not a system that works because they make such low volume. There would be so few Teslas available, and they would be exorbitantly expensive. Um, in, in all, I was very frustrated. I, of course, emailed my senator. I have not heard back. Um, and I, I, they shelved the bill. They're going to do a summer study, and then I think they're going to revisit it in the next session. Based on the testimony, uh, I didn't feel like they really heard any of the arguments. It seemed like they, I mean, based on them spending the entire time trying to find a way for Tesla to own a dealership that they would accept, I just don't think they get it. And I don't see any way that this doesn't result in this law being passed in some form and Tesla being forced out of Indiana, which is really sad. I consider myself a future Model S, or I'm sorry, Model 3 reservation holder. I'm looking forward to going to the store early on the day of reservations next month. But if they pass this law in the time between my reservation and the uh, the car coming off the, the assembly line and being delivered to me, I'm going to buy my car in another state, and I'm going to pay my sales tax in that state. And they lost out on that sales revenue because they would rather support this old system and close the doors to new ideas. So I was very frustrated, but those are my thoughts. I'm sorry if my call's a little long. Uh, love what you do. I uh, enjoy podcasts unlocked and, and enjoy this podcast as well. And can't wait to hear your thoughts on this subject. Thanks. So a few follow-up comments that Tim raised. First of all, I, how hard is it to understand the made to order concept? I just don't understand why, you know, Tim, and again, of course, I have to, this was all Tim's interpretation of it, obviously. So let's just clarify that. But I don't, how could, how could made to order be unclear? I mean, especially in this day and age. Also, how do they not understand the service issue and the fact that Tesla clearly stated that they have two service center sites picked out? Now, Tim, I also want to say good on you for emailing your senator. You are an Indiana resident. You emailed your senator about this. I encourage everybody else in Indiana to do so. Now, Tim also gets a little pessimistic at the end. Uh, I, Tim, I will, I'm a little more optimistic. I don't think Tesla will ultimately be forced out of Indiana, at least not for long, because they will sue. If this bill gets passed, Tesla will sue. They're doing it in Utah right now. There is a slightly smaller battle going on in Utah where Tesla has filed suit over a new bill that would require them to ship every car sold to Utah and not be able to keep any inventory in the state whatsoever. And the governor there actually supports Tesla. So hopefully that's going to be worked out soon enough. But I just feel like uh, Tesla will absolutely bring litigation should this bill be passed and they will fight. As I've talked about this on the show before. Tesla will fight this state by state if they have to, and they will, and they will win, because at the end of the day, we're talking about not just an American product. I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter. It helps that it's American, but uh, it, is, it is a superior product. Consumers want the product. We live in America. Cons- the, the, the best product will win, and the consumers will get the product they want, whether it takes Tesla suing for that for the consumers to get that right or not. But uh, I want to also point out that longtime Tesla owner and community ray of light, Bonnie Norman, if you post if you are, are familiar with the Tesla Motors Club forum, if you spend any time there, you probably 
know of or have interacted with Bonnie. She is a wonderful human being I've spoken with on the phone a number of times. She helped draw a lot of awareness to this on Twitter. Uh, Elon retweeted her about it at one point. And that's, in fact, how I became aware of this. This, over the past week, was seeing, was seeing uh, Bonnie's post. Now, I'll say that I just find all this to be simply a shame. This, this whole thing's a shame. Elon Musk has stated time and time again that he wants as many electric vehicles on the road as possible, no matter who makes them. Unfortunately, GM apparently doesn't see it the same way, which is their right. Business is business. I mean, that's... That you, you can look at it that way. But if that's going to be GM's attitude, guys, GM, at least play fair. Trying to rig the game is unethical, immoral, and uh, as I just mentioned a minute ago, Tesla will challenge if necessary uh, because it will, they will see it as illegal and they will challenge it in the legal system. GM, build a better electric car and people will buy it. It's that simple, and uh, Bonnie stated as much, and I completely agree with her. Instead, you've got the CEO of GM making comments like this one from last month at CES, quote, unlike some EV customers, Bolt EV customers never have to worry about driving to another state to buy, service, or support their vehicles. Well, uh, that's pretty much just wrong <laughs> at every level. Uh, for, try, yeah, try it. Try doing over-the-air updates. How's that for support of your vehicle? Try, you know, it's... I don't want to get, get into that quote. That's just a, that's a shot across the bow. You know, it, and it, I have to laugh a little bit, too, because for being one of the biggest automakers in the world, General Motors seems awfully afraid of a little startup from California who, last year, made 50,000 cars. Also, pro tip to GM... Don't piss off Elon Musk. <laughs> Don't do it. He might decide to not share his supercharger network with you, which, in my opinion, is the dirty little secret that, that uh, from all the buzz that the Bolt has gotten coming out of CES, which in many respects was well-earned, that's the dirty little secret that, that prospective Bolt buyers, most of them, probably don't understand yet. There is no sufficient nationwide charging network. The, the Bolt, anyone that buys a Bolt, unless, unless GM gets uh, off the schneid real quick and starts rolling out their own high-speed charging network, anybody that buys a Bolt is going to think, oh, I've got a 200-mile range EV. This is great. I can finally take this thing uh, on interstate travel. This is awesome. But as Roadster owners will can attest, you can, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to require a whole heck of a lot of planning because roadster owners are the ones they were in this. Actually, they still are. Who am I kidding? Roadster owners, that's, that's their lives. They, they have a car that gets over 200 miles of range, just as the Bolt does, but they have to find public charging stations, whether they be you know, RV parks or, uh, you know, charge L2 charging stations at libraries or whatever the case is, you know, roadster owners can do it, but they have to plan. And that's, that's going to, I, that's the biggest thing I think that's going to hold the bolt back when the public realizes, oh, cool, a $30,000, 
long range electric vehicle from GM. Cool, the Bolt, all right. Oh, I can't actually really go. Like, I, I'm, I don't have any range anxiety around town, but man, that's kind of a pretty, kind of a hassle to go anywhere far in this thing. And that's where the Model 3 will come in and they'll have a mat. They already all, I mean, think of the, think of the supercharger network today. You can get pretty much wherever you want to go today. And if you go on the Tesla, if you go on teslamotors.com slash supercharger, you can look at what the supercharging map is going to look like over the next year. And it is growing at a, at a substantial rate. And by the time Model 3 get, hits the road, it's going to be a mighty impressive free supercharging network that, by the way, uh, unlike you know whatever Bolt owners are going to have to do, RV parks, etc., you know, it's going to take them uh, a long time to charge up their cars. A Model 3 buyer will pull in and in 20 to 30 minutes they're gone with a, with a substantial charge in their cars. So anyway, I, again, I, it's, it's unfortunate that GM sees it as blood, just a blood sport. You know, e- Elon doesn't see it that way. And again, I, we, we want to sort of follow Elon's example, at least a lot of us, not a lot of us can't speak for everybody, but you know, Elon's trying to take the high road because he, he's trying to see the bigger picture and say, it doesn't matter how or who we need more electric vehicles off the, on the, on the road to get more, uh, internal combustion emissions producing vehicles off the road. But the fact that GM just wants to play dirty in this game uh, the fact that it's a game at all to them, I mean, of course, yeah, business is business, but just build a good product. Don't worry about Tesla, but just, yeah, work on, work on, look here, look in the mirror, build a better product. People will come and get it if it's, if it's a great product. So again, uh, one more time, thank you to Tim for that, that incredible detailed report. Uh, just, we'll see how this thing goes in the coming months, but it's state by state. You know, I've been talking about it on many of, you know, that we're 30 episodes in here. Many a podcast has been spent talking about, you know, Michigan or this state or that state and, you know, Indiana. So Tesla will, they, they are, it is a long game for them and they will, they will get there. They're going to get there because they have a great product that people want. And this is a capitalist free society. So they'll win. They'll, they'll get there. On a happier note, Tesla's chief technology officer and, of course, company co-founder J.B. Straubel, he gave a talk at the IHS Energy Sarah Week. I guess it's a conference in Houston. He dropped a tiny hint about Model 3. He said, quote, We don't really need more performance. We don't really need much more range. We need to focus on cost. Now, and he didn't give... Uh, he also mentioned that it'd be comparable in size to an Audi A4, which we've heard the A4 or BMW 3 Series comparison many, many times. He said, quote, about the Model 3, I think it will surprise people with the level of features it includes. How, now, here's how I interpret this. I interpret that as not, not that the Model 3 won't push range or push performance, but the Tesla has already, by and large, solved those problems. I predict, this is just, I'm obviously, I have nothing concrete to go on here. This is, this is a, a prediction based on observing Tesla over the last six plus years, seven years. 
I predict that the top-end ludicrous performance Model 3 will have a 0-60 to 60 time that clocks in somewhere from the mid-3s, possibly down or up, depending on how you're looking at it, to the mid-2s. I, I just don't see Tesla building a performance vehicle that's slower than a 0-60 to 60 time in the mid-3s. But I also don't expect anything outrageous like a low twos car. Uh, I, you know, that's probably going to get saved for the maximum plaid next generation Roadster that'll be obviously super light and two-seater. Uh, I think in the most optimistic scenario, the zero to 60 time will slightly edge out the ludicrous S. So I think, you know, the S is 2.8 seconds. In, in ludicrous mode, you know, maybe a 2.7, maybe a 2.6, but I think that's the best case scenario. I think the worst case scenario for a, a top-end performance Model 3 is the mid-3s. Probably it's going to be somewhere in between. I, I would suspect that Elon will push his engineers as hard as possible to hit 3, like maybe just 3 flat which would still, you know, not quite be S territory, but yeah, I, the truth will, it'll probably end up somewhere in between, which uh, would be amazing. And should I somehow be able to pull off getting a performance model, which <laughs> and I, I talked about that whole thing in, with my life uh, a few shows back, we'll, you know, it's not, we'll see, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the performance three, the ludicrous three, Somewhere in between the, the you know mid to high twos and the mid threes, but we'll see about that. Anyway, uh, so as far as the innovation he refers to, here's what I here's my my other prediction. I think there's a good chance that every Model Three could be packing second generation autopilot hardware, even if you choose when you buy the car not to enable it. You know every Model S and every Model S. Pardon me. Every Model S and every Model X has the autopilot hardware on. It's just a matter of if the owners enable it. There is a volume. There is a cost uh, efficiency to that, and also the fact that with the with the volume of cars, the volume of production intended for Model Three, Tesla could make some serious advances from all that data gathered. Even if the owner hasn't enabled the active features. The car could still be taking road data, you know, from GPS-related road data, all kinds of stuff, and sending it back to the mothership for them to uh, adapt and improve the autopilot system for. So I mean, you know, I don't know if it might be fully autonomous-capable hardware that that might just be unlocked via software later when the software is ready, because obviously that's going to be a massive project that of course Tesla is already working hard on but I think that could be the case that 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 we might see cuz you know if there's if there are 100,000 200,000 eventually at some point 300 plus thousand model 3s being made every year and you had autopilot hardware autonomous hardware second generation autopilot hardware on all of those cars that's a major competitive advantage for Tesla over other auto manufacturers uh, now, of course, if it does happen, if the, if the cars are hardware enabled, again, who knows when the software for 
the next stage of autopilot would be ready. It might not be ready when the Model 3 ships. It might be a thing where we wait a year or even two years for it, much like the Model S owners had to wait for a, over a year for autopilot. But if, if that did happen, I certainly think that the S and X would get that second-generation autopilot hardware at the same time as well. I'm not, I'm not at all proposing that the third the uh, $35,000 Tesla will get an exclusive <laughs> for a time on the second-generation autopilot hardware. I think that the S and X would get it at the same time, but I would suspect that Tesla will push as hard as they can to try and ship every Model 3 with that next-generation autopilot hardware. I sure hope so, particularly since I intend to be as early an adopter of Model 3 as I can, so I really hope that my car has the latest and greatest autopilot hardware in it, even if the software, even if I can't actually use it for a while. Uh, Moving on. Elon Musk took to Twitter, to a Twitter conversation. He endorsed the six-seat Model X configuration and highly recommended the white interior. So listen to this. A uh, gentleman whose full name is not on Twitter, he goes by Sandeep on there. I believe he, uh, maybe that could be his first name. He's on TMC, he references it. He says, uh, concerns about durability of the white seats on the X. Tears have been reported by owners and at the Meet the X events. Elon uh, did reply to him and said, Heavy use of the white causes splitting. Adding, they are, and then says, this is of course Twitter shorthand. He says, they're adding backing material to strengthen it. The uh, existing owners will be upgraded to a better, uh, this reinforced seat at no cost. So that is excellent news if you are an early adopter on X. Uh, Sandeep replies and says, uh, thanks Elon, confirming my order then with the white seats. We'll pass on the message to fellow TMC forum members. And then Elon again continues the conversation and says, can't emphasize enough that white is the best interior. Also, pick six seats unless you really need seven. Another follow-up from a different person here, Derek Slager, is white still the best if you have young children? Elon replies again saying, yes, it actually performed better than other colors on stain tests. Best not to have vented seats with kids, though. Uh, and it, uh, the conversation continues from another person who's uh, just anonymous on here, doesn't give a name. Why a six-seat configuration? We are really torn on this option. And Elon says, great legroom for third row, rear visibility better, easy storage of long cargo. So, and that is the extent of the tweets on that. But I thought it was very interesting that almost unprompted. Well, I mean, the, the, they were already definitely talking about the white interior. So he says, he, but he chose to inject his opinion. Can't emphasize enough that white is the best interior. But the fact that, yeah, he says also, just out of nowhere, pick six seats unless you really need seven. I've been seeing a lot of that. I've been following the, the there's a long thread on TMC about six seats or seven. And almost everybody, for those same exact reasons, says that when they've had a chance to sit in the car in the different configurations that the, the six-seat uh, is most people's preference for the exact reasons that Elon mentions. Uh, you know, the legroom and certainly the rear visibility. You don't have a headrest blocking that rear, rear view window. Uh, 
I mean, if I were lucky enough to be able to get a Model X, uh, and I'll tell you what, I think I might have mentioned this a few shows back, but gun to my head said, here's $120,000, pick a Tesla now. I might actually take an X over an S, and I never, never thought I would say that about any SUV, because I just, I love the Falcon wings, uh, I love that white interior, and I love that big sky windshield too, oh, it's so nice, it's so nice, uh, and I love the, I just, I'm, I totally love the, the auto opening and auto closing doors on the front doors. I love, I love all four doors on, on the Model X for their own unique, awesome, awesome properties. Uh, so yeah, I might, I, I, that's why, that's why I'm, that's why I want somebody to buy a Tesla using, or three people, hopefully, because that's every, you know, the three people is the limit. Hopefully three people will buy a, a Tesla using Peter's referral code that I gave at the beginning of the show and give me a chance to win that Model X. But, I mean, although, the, of course, I do find the Model X much sexier in its design, but, oh, I just, I love those. I love those doors, all four of them, and I love that windshield. Man, that X is, that X is a, a wonderful piece of machinery. And I've, I've had the privilege of seeing it in person and it really is a striking car. And no, the, the front end has grown on me so much because um, when I first saw it at the reveal event back in September in Fremont, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But just the more I see it, the more I'm like, wow, that I really like that because it's, it's just bold. That's why I, I especially, like, I'm not, I don't even like white. I would never, I have never wanted to own a white car, but seeing the white, X, just that total bold white front end that looks like a storm, makes a car look like a stormtrooper. It's so nice. Now, if I, di- if I were getting an X, my first choice would be Sig Red, but can't get that. It's a Sig. I would actually choose the blue. I think the blue, I've said, sorry, I've said this before uh, a few shows back. I love the, the Tesla blue on the X and that, that you know, that nose cone free front end. I just think the blue looks amazing on the X. Anyway, uh, let's, let's just finishing up this point about Elon endorsing the six seat white interior. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope the, the white interior looks awesome. It's definitely what I would choose if I were getting an X and not even for the vegan reason, the fact that it's synthetic. I, I totally respect that. I just think that white looks awesome. It just looks very futuristic. It's very bold, um, you don't see cars with white interiors like that. I love it. I hope they offer it on the Model 3. Finally this week in the news, speaking of Elon tweets, just a quick follow-up. I just wanted to mention, I talked last week about Tesla buying the Tesla.com domain that had been owned by a gentleman by the name of Stu Grossman for many, many years. Tesla acquired it seemingly, uh, all, there's no, no, nothing... Uh, concrete on this, but seemingly Tesla did make Stu an offer he couldn't refuse. But I, I just really appreciate it. I wanted to call this out. Elon took to Twitter to publicly thank Stu. He said on Twitter, just wanted to thank Stu G for Tesla.com. Know it meant a lot to you. We'll take good care. So he didn't have to do that because, you know, he already paid the guy for the domain. I just thought that was really nice of Elon to, to do that public shout out. Uh, so good on Elon for that, and that's that is a good happy note to end on. But I've actually got a lot more show for you. 
I got a ton of great phone calls last week. We got a one, two, three, four, five of them, plus the uh, report we already got out of Indiana from Tim. So I want to play those calls. I want to talk about that after the show is not over. Come right back, please. All right, welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Five excellent calls this week. Uh, I want to start off from Tim in Indianapolis once again, just because he very kindly, he works in this field, he corrected me from last week. Last week I was talking about the, I was freaked out by, as a, as a media guy, a guy that works in media, I was freaked out by the concept of earned media and paid media and versus owned media. And Tim totally sets me straight on this. Uh, I want to I want to let him do that. So Tim, go ahead. Hey Ryan, it's Tim from Indianapolis. Uh, we've talked on Twitter and via email a few times. Uh, I was just listening to the last episode and I heard uh, the the segment about the the co- uh, coach brothers. Uh, I, I don't know their name, but um, I wanted to speak out about the difference between earned media and owned media and uh, bought media. Um, I work in marketing and. Uh, Earned, owned, and bought is a common term, but the bought media is like television advertising as opposed to earned is um, when you do things as a company that cause you to get press coverage. And owned media is obviously an internal company blog or press release or something that is done through something you own. So I don't think that is necessarily something bad. I mean, obviously, they have possibly negative intentions to compete with EVs, but um, earned media just means running TV advertisements and things like that uh, to pump up their position. And uh, I'm not sure as to the earned media. That That's more what you would be talking about traditionally with uh, the press, where you wouldn't want that influence by money because um, it violates, you know, ethics of journalism. But anyway, just wanted to pop in my two thoughts. Thanks. Tim, thank you for correcting me. I'm glad it's not nearly as gross as I thought it was with the whole uh, Koch brothers thing. So thank you so much. Next up is Andrew from Canada. He is worried about getting an early VIN Model 3 because he lives far away from the service center. So Andrew, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is Andrew from Canada here. I have two questions for you. Firstly, I wanted to get your perspective on uh, the Model 3. Once it's first uh, released, will be a, a new model. And uh, as every car manufacturer knows, not just Tesla, there's uh, often just kind of teething pains, little brackets that, uh, that fail, or just small things that uh, Tesla would be more than happy to repair uh, under warranty. However, Living far from a service center, about 200 kilometers from the nearest uh, Tesla service center, I wanted to get your perspective on uh, how much of a challenge that might be in early days of Model 3 ownership. Second question for you, verbiage question, the frunk. I just wanted to get your perspective on it. Is it a term that's going to stay? Or I love the idea of a frunk, having all that uh, front trunk, having all that storage space. It's wonderful. But as a term... It just doesn't ring well with me. Admittedly, I come from a country where we refer to our currency as loony and toony, so you know, t- take this with a grain of salt, but frunk. Is it here to stay, do you think? All right, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. First of all, Andrew, I love frunk. Love that term. I loved it from the moment I heard it, 
and I, the, I have bad news for you potentially because it sounds like you're not sold on it. It has, it is absolutely already stuck. That is already a thing. It has been in a lot of media write-ups. Uh, it, it took hold pretty early in the Model S days. I totally love it. Uh, I think it's just a funny, totally appropriate term that that's obvious. Like, oh, front trunk, trunk. Okay. <laughs> As for getting an early to, to yeah, more serious topic, for getting an early Model Three. Uh, yes. I mean, you have a very, very legitimate concern when you live that far away from a service center. There's no two ways about it. I mean, you might get a perfect car that you're totally happy with and is not going to have any little niggling problems. However, your odds are higher of having little things that Tesla would definitely, yes, happily fix under warranty, but would require you getting the car to the service center. I mean, we saw that with the early Model S's. We're seeing that now. With the Model X's, the, the you know some folks have had to have some things tweaked here and there, and the, uh, the a lot of the X's are spending significant time at the service centers prior to getting delivered, so that hopefully they avoid having to come back to the service center later. So yeah, I mean you definitely raise a good point being uh, far away from a from a service center. So definitely bear that in mind when deciding when to get your Model Three. I mean you you might decide to still put in a reservation on March 31st, well, I guess if you're that far from a service center, maybe you're going to be doing an online reservation on April 1st, which, you know, you'll still be, you'd still be relatively early in the queue. And of course, at that point, it's, if you're going to get a performance model, then uh, you would be very early in the queue and your concern would be, uh, you'd really have to sit down and think about it if you wanted to order the car that early. If you're going to get the big battery option, assuming there is going to be a second larger battery option, which I would I would bet the farm on, uh, that you know, so you'd automatically be a few more months into the queue, probably from you know there'll be all the performances first, and then the big battery non-performance. But if you're getting the base battery, you're going to be down in group three. And maybe, you know, maybe you'll feel comfortable at that point, but it's going to be up to you to decide what you are most comfortable with. So, um, and that, this obviously goes to, this why I play the call for anybody that, that lives far from a service center and is contemplating an early reservation Model 3. Now, complicating that though, I guess you're in Canada, so I don't know if there is a federal, I, I admit, I actually don't know if there's, if there is a government, a, a tax rebate uh, available in Canada, but for... For folks in the U.S. that are contemplating, that want to get an early reservation but are wary of the potential minor issues that could come up from an early VIN build, it's definitely something to consider. I mean, for me, I want, I, I'm just very lucky in that whether I'm able to, I, I'm going I'm to at least be in the big battery category, the group two. I'm hoping maybe there's some chance I'll be able to get a performance model and be in group one, but I'm just lucky that I live. 20 minutes from the Burlingame Service Center, or if necessary, I mean, I live 45 minutes from the factory. So I'm very fortunate. But yeah, it's definitely something to consider if you are if you do not have a Tesla Service Center near you and you are wanting to, to get your order. Now, I would still say, because we don't ultimately know how things are going to go, get your de- if you're if you're planning on getting a Model Three, get your deposit down as soon as close to March 31st, April 1st as as you can. And then you can always defer and make the decision later. Um, whereas if you wait now, 
and decide, okay, well, I better wait till April 10th, it could mean months. And, you know, maybe later you're going to decide, oh, I wish I'd been able to get it sooner. So take that into consideration. But great call from Andrew there. Thank you. Next up, Rob calling in from his Model S, which I love that. That is awesome. Rob, I love you. Uh, he asks, he's asking me why I haven't gotten a Model S yet. He's like, uh, He's got... He, he knows how I can get one. So, Rob, take it away, my friend. Hi, Ryan. This is Rob. I go by Tesla Living on Twitter. I love your podcast. I'm actually uh, calling in from my uh, Tesla right now. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while, and uh, one thing that's been bugging me is uh, what, why you haven't gotten a Model S yet. And I know, uh, you know $100,000 for a Model S is a lot of money, but right now Tesla Model S's are going for around fifty to 55000 if you get them slightly used. Uh, Tesla just gave me a quote on a trade-in for mine for 49200 and it was originally 100000 So for about 50000 right now, you could get a Model S, and it sounds like you are ready to buy, uh, to put a signature deposit on a Model 3, and uh, a signature deposit in the past cost 40000 So if you were ready this year to put a $40,000 deposit on a Model 3, you could possibly be buying a Model S today and be driving a Tesla. So I guess my question is, is, you know, why not buy a Tesla now? Why not be driving, living the dream and driving a Tesla? Or is, are you hope holding out with the hopes that there'll be Falcon Wing doors on a Model 3? Or, you know, what is it that's making you wait? All right, thanks a lot, and keep up the good work on the podcast. Really love it. Thanks. Bye. Well, Rob, everybody's situation is different, of course. But the short version, I feel like I've gone over this before, but, yeah, short, I mean, the short version is that I'm still saving up. I could not buy a fifty or $60,000 car today. But uh, more to the point, I would rather, just personally, I would rather have an almost fully loaded uh, Model 3 with 2017 tech in it rather than a used Model S with 2013 tech in it, particularly the lack of autopilot, which you know n- none of the CPOs, at least none of them in that price range, have autopilot. But... I mean, I definitely, I believe me, I appreciate you thinking about how I can live the dream sooner. I know that was, your call was very much uh, done with, with, uh, with your heart in the right place. Because for me, you know, this is going to kind of be, what, whatever the next thing I buy is, is going to have to last me probably 10 plus years. You know, I'm, I'm not, I couldn't buy a CPOS today for 50 or 60,000 and then turn around and still get a, you know, a well-equipped Model 3 in three years, you know, so it's, for me, I just need to focus on my, my goal and, and get there, you know, I've got a paid-off car in, in the garage, even though, you know, it needs a $2,000 clutch job, (laughs) but now, (laughs) so, yeah, that's my situation, everybody's situation is different, I've had calls from people who are, you know, they're doing a Leaf for now. They're doing a Volt for now while they wait for Model 3. So, uh, but again, Rob, I appreciate you looking out for me. I love it. Todd from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, wanted to call in to note a sudden huge decrease in the number of CPO cards available. Speaking of CPO, Todd, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is Todd calling from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, had a discussion topic. I don't know if you've been following the CPO um, inventory cars, but um, last week there was there was over 500 or a little around 500 in inventory, and in one day it dropped down to under 100. And I'm wondering if it's they're 
did this to try to push more sales of the new cars to drive away from old cars or if you know of uh, something else going on. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to put those cars back up eventually or if they're just gone forever. Anyway, just let me get your feedback on that or get your thoughts. Um, great show. Bye. Well, Todd, uh, thank you for the call. I do my best to keep up on all things Tesla and be, you know, sort of do all the research and have as much of the knowledge and certainly the passion as I can to, uh, to share with you guys each and every week. But I very much admit I am not uh, uh, perfect at all, and I, I don't have any insight on this. I have no idea what, why the, there might, was a sudden huge decrease in the number of CPO cars available. So I'll just say if anybody out there has talked to Tesla about this, maybe you're, you're looking into a CPO car and you're, uh, you're sort of in the middle of this yourself, or if you have any other info, yeah, give, call in. Call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Leave a message. Maybe we can crowdsource the answer to this and help Todd out uh, and anybody else who, who may be uh, in the CPO market and, and is wondering why they suddenly have far fewer options. Our final call this week is from John in New Orleans. Asks about, I love, he paints a wonderful future scenario where about uh, what charging challenges could be in the very, very hopeful scenario where EVs go totally mass market and become nearly ubiquitous. So, uh, John, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is John from New Orleans. I was thinking about a topic that's often discussed, but I don't know if you've talked about it on the show very much. Um, assuming that Tesla succeeds with the Model 3 as they have with the Model S, and you know they completely take over that mid, you know, mid-class, mass-market level car, um, and then you start seeing you know, the Toyotas, the Hondas, et cetera, of the world get in and they, you know, they bring it down and it's in that fifteen dollars to $25,000 car range. And, you know, it's really affordable to everyone. You know, and electric cars are ubiquitous. <clears throat> what do you think the, you know, the further charging solutions will be? You know, say for people that live in apartments or dorms and you know, they have to park in a parking lot or people that live in a house with roommates or they're with their family and they're in a three to four car home and, having that many outlets might not be reasonable, you know, or people that just have to park on the street. Uh, how do you think that, you know, the, the, the wide, you know, mass consumer base, how, how are they going to constantly charge? Uh, my first thought was instituting a supercharger light facility, uh, like we do with gas stations. So just put them everywhere on, the, you know, every street. But, you know, that would really only work if you could charge in, say, three to four minutes as opposed to the 30 to 40 that it takes now. <clears throat> And then I was thinking, you know, they could do quick battery swapping, like Tesla talked about a while ago. Um, just, you know, come in, pop your battery out, pop a new one in, fully charged, pay for it, and you're ready to go. Um, but I figured that all of the car manufacturers would probably have proprietary batteries and proprietary connections, so that would be a lot harder. Um, so I was just thinking about that, and, you know, Tesla succeeded in solving the initial fears of electric cars, which was range anxiety, uh, by building out the supercharger networks, and that kind of solves all of that. You can drive anywhere basically for free. Um, you pay for it in the price of the car. But, you know, I think the sort of mass volume, large number of people problem, that might be the next big hurdle in the widespread ubiquitous adoption over the next, say, 20 to 30 years. I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that or any potential solutions to keep everybody charged and rolling. So just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that. Thanks. And keep up the great work. Well, John, thank you for the call. If, if that word actually happened, 
The number one thing to remember is that everybody would be charging in their own garages. Now, of course, you raise the point, what about apartment dwellers and folks who park their car on the street? In that scenario, in, in this hypothetical scenario where EVs are a massive share of, of the automotive market and we got a ton of them on the road, you got to remember chargers will be at many public places such as parking garages, strip malls, restaurants, etc. And Tesla is going to continue, you know they're going to continue to push on uh, making advancement, advancements in reducing charging times, you know, supercharging times. So I think that the ultimate solution would be if EVs were that widespread that there were significantly fewer gas cars on the road, you'd have tens if not hundreds of thousands of gas stations around the country and potentially the world that you know would that could potentially be suffering if there if there are that many EVs on the road and not nearly as many people getting gas i i think you could see a situation where you could see gas stations converting a half or you know maybe a third you know maybe even a half of their real estate to EV charging stations. So they become like hybrid stations. So it's like if you've got a gas car, pull in, but it'll also take, you know, you can also charge up your EV there. You know, they might rip out half the pumps, put in charging stations. You know, the, if, if it's really that kind of scenario, I love the scenario that you paint where there's EVs everywhere, gas stations are going to have to adapt to stay in business. And that's probably one way they could do it is just offer you know, offer EV charging and then they could charge people for the charge and, of course, you know, have snacks and stuff inside like they already do. So we'll see. I, I hope your future comes to fruition at some point, John, for hopefully hopefully our kids. I mean, I've got a four-year-old. Hopefully her, that is her future. Uh, we shall see. So great calls this week. Thank you all so much for calling and leaving messages on the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you have got a question, comment, discussion topic for the podcast, drop me a line. Call up the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can call anytime, 24-7. It's a toll-free call or Skype. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That spells T-S-L-A. So again, that's 1-888-989-8752. And it's at this point in the show, I get to remind you if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. I certainly podcast them here, obviously. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. I think uh, this is going to add up to be just about, might be the longest show ever. We'll find out when I put the whole thing together. You already know the answer. But anyway, uh, we'll take a quick, short musical break. Let me get a swig a drink of water here, uh, get some hydration back in my throat because I've been talking for a while, and I'll come back and wrap things up right after this. All right, time to hit the road, the EV road, hopefully for, well, someday for me, hopefully for a lot of you out there, you are already, you are already driving on the EV road in your EV. Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. And if it won't fit in 140 characters, you can always email me. The show email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. 
If you're a video game fan, check me out at my day job, IGN.com. I do an Xbox podcast every week. I have a one-on-one interview show, kind of a Charlie Rose-style thing that I do with key figures in the video game industry. I do that once a month. That's called IGN Unfiltered. That's uh, on IGN YouTube, or actually there's an iTunes feed for that as well. Uh, Check out my t-shirt site, nerdstyles.com, for video game and geek-inspired t-shirts and a coffee mug. There's some fun fun, uh, designs over there. It's almost t-shirt season again, so get ready for it. We ship anywhere in the world, by the way, or just about anywhere in the world. I remind you once more, please subscribe to Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter to help keep you up to date. You know, we dive into things very deep here. You get that quick recap from Dave each and every week delivered for free to your email inbox. Sign up at teslaweekly.com. And again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Ride the Lightning is now on Stitcher by popular demand. I uh, signed up for Stitcher and they kindly approved me. So you can find the show in the Games and Hobbies section under the Car Enthusiast subheader. So take a look for it there. If, uh, if you like Stitcher, or you, maybe you just use the app, but that's uh, now you know how to find it there. And I'm still waiting to hear back from Tesla. I did send them an email, but uh, a reminder that you can listen to this show in your Tesla via TuneIn. You got to jump through one hoop, which is to go to the TuneIn website. And follow the show there through your, you know, you've got to be signed in. Follow Ride the Lightning from there. You can search Ride the Lightning, Tesla Podcast. And then uh, just follow it, and then it will show up in your favorites in your Tesla. So uh, that's a fun way to listen to it. Also, finally, I mentioned this last week, just want to thank again the wonderful wonderful folks at teslarati.com for listing the podcast on their pages. Uh, Gene, thank you specifically. Appreciate everybody from the Teslarati site, helping get the word out about this podcast to the Tesla community. So thank you all so much. 30 episodes, fun little mini milestone, and what I'm pretty sure was the longest episode ever. I love it. I'm happy to have a lot to talk about. I love the long shows. You guys have expressed that uh, you are not put off by the longer episodes either. But I, I always, again, I do want to be respectful of everybody's time. I know everybody's very busy. So uh, I'll, the show will be long when it needs to be, and some weeks it'll be shorter. But hopefully, we're T-minus one month to go until the Model 3 reveal. So, man, we're probably going to have a lot to talk about leading up to that and certainly a lot to talk about right after that. So, thank you all so much for your time and for giving the podcast a try. My name is Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, and I'll see you next week. (laughs) 